All righty then. Oops, where did my mic cover go? Oh, let's use this. Hallelujah. We're back now. As promised, we're going to be looking at some of the daily might, the uh, some of the excerpts and talks from the family, some of the actual core teachings about Jesus worshiping God, living for God, witnessing for God. Most of this, pretty much your standard issue evangelical training from yesteryear, but its own kind of blend, its own kind of flavor. And we're going to be looking at some of this. I think uh, Daily Might will be something useful. It's got me through it. But this is about witnessing. And when you're speaking with people, when you find yourself in a conversation with people and you feel the spiritual battle, you feel like, okay, well, they're saying, well, Jesus is a great moral teacher or whatever. You've got to use scriptures. And if you use the scriptures... The scriptures are like your your father's lightsaber. It doesn't matter if your father was Darth Vader. It doesn't matter if you were raised in a cult and people were weird. The Bible is still true. The gospel is still true. And this lightsaber that I'm passing to you did not belong to Darth Vader. This is just the Bible, basically. <laughs> and understanding that there are fake Christians and yeah, whatever, whatever. Just get over it. You know what? Get up and get over it. Don't be a, don't be a pansy. Don't don't be a big complainy Christian. Be a good Christian. Pray for my daughter. She's having a rough night. She's just uh, waking up a lot and and screaming and just uh, very very antsy. So she must feel something in the spirit. I'm I'm thinking she must um, also sense it. I feel it too. There's something going on. There's some kind of a big thing that's happening. I don't know what it is, but I can feel it. Uh, there was a conjunction of Mercury and Venus yesterday that was very weird and very interesting. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know it's something. So uh, let's let's just get into some good old-fashioned Bible here. Daily Might, January 9th. You can't always win. But witness. You must needs be a witness. Not a winner, but a witness. Prophets of God, the messengers of God, the apostles of God. Those sent with a message. We owe the message of God and his life of love to every man. Amen so far. Can't can't say anything wrong about that. Even though all will not listen, nor respond, nor be saved, we will win very few compared to the millions to whom we'll witness. Even God can't win them all. But he wants to give them all a chance. The prophets didn't prophesy for audience reaction. They just spoke the words of God, come what may, live or die, sink or swim, rise or fall. And that was that, flat. If you were to judge Jeremiah by his success, he was a flat failure. But he was faithful and he delivered his soul. Speak the truth, even if it kills. The results are God's business. As Kipling said, if you can meet success and failure and treat those two impostors the same, then you'll be a man, my son. Simply because you have the satisfaction of knowing you're doing the will of God. That you were made for the job. That you can't help it. You have to do it. He expects it of you. 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus didn't say failure servant, and he didn't say successful servant. He just said faithful servant. Ooh, me likey. Me very likey. See, this is just universal truth, Christian truth. This is not, oh, this is from a cult. This is just totally, you know, it goes without saying kind of truth. But it's it's rare to hear Christians talk like this today because Christians like to be told, oh, just do whatever you want. You know, don't worry about talking to people about God. Just stay in your little bubble. When we need to reach out to people, people are, are suffering out there and they need God's word. And if if you're talking to somebody and you feel the sense that, you know, there's a demon trying to keep them from hearing God's word, then just use the scriptures. Because if you use the scriptures, you'll find that the scriptures actually help you to reach into their soul and to deal with things. It's very interesting how that works. Let's read another one. I like this. Do you like it? Oh, I like this one. It's called Never Doubt for a Moment. The devil was ordained to see if he could get you to doubt God's word. Doubts are the devil's thoughts and Satan's words. When you're doubting in your own mind, you're thinking the enemy's thoughts. When you're voicing your doubts to others, you're spreading Satan's propaganda. That's his kind of witnessing. It has just the opposite effect of witnessing the truth of God and the word of God. Doubts are monsters that devour and destroy. Beware of the enemy who goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Don't you be his next meal. The best cure for doubts is the word. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. If you are weak in faith, it's because you're weak in the word. The answer is always there if you're willing to receive it. His word, and in this case, they're they're always saying, go back and read the Mo letters, which I did. I'll, I'll tell you, built up my faith quite a bit. Uh, just don't put all your eggs in one basket, though. Get full of the spirit and the word. Let the light in, and the darkness will flee of itself. I believe means I drink in, I swallow. It's the Greek word, pisteo, that's used throughout the New Testament for I believe, I drink in. Fill your mind and heart with positive, encouraging, strengthening, faith-building thoughts from his word. Memorize scriptures and resist the devil. In this day and age, they're trying to outlaw the Bible. They're trying to downplay the Bible. And I'm not trying to play into the religious, like, oh, just wrote, memorize the Bible. I heard a really great quote from June Farrell this morning. Um, she was talking about Romans 7, the sweet old Louisiana pastor. And, and she was like, man, when you read... Or maybe it was the end of Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians is really good too, but it was either Romans or Corinthians. But she was like, "Man, it's like when you—it's like a blind dog in a meat house. You just—it don't matter where you turn, just everything you just want to chomp, <laughs> you know." So you open the Bible into those scriptures, and it's good. In fact, we might just go ahead and do that. Daily might strengthen your faith. We're going to fight aliens, guys. We're going to deal with clones. We're already dealing with aliens and clones. I mean, what about that bank manager? What about that person that worked at that one store that doesn't even know how to 
be human. Maybe their family isn't so good, or maybe, just maybe, there's something more insidious. Okie do. I think I got it. I've decided we won't just read Romans or Corinthians. We're going to read Romans and Corinthians. <laughs> if I can't find the right one, we're just going to read them both. Hallelujah, to quote Rufus Mosley's Hallelujahs. Tourette Syndrome. Praise the Lord. My grandfather's mystic mentor was named Rufus Mosley, and um, I often say this, but he <laughs> he basically, like, he couldn't finish a sentence without saying hallelujah. So he'd be talking and preaching, and then suddenly he'd be all hallelujah. When he was from Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana, or Cal- no, he was from Alabama. He was from Macon, Alabama, maybe? I, for- I forgot. Anyway, that's my family heritage right there. So hallelujah. All right, so let's look at Romans 7. There's so much good here, and it's just the law being defined and the understanding of of the Bible, the gospel, what God has got for us. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So it's kind of a, a a positive thing, believe it or not, to say, well, in my flesh, actually, abideth no good thing. In my flesh, there's there's nothing good. That way, you're not always trying to, like, perfect yourself in the flesh. You know, like a lot of Christians do. I don't wear makeup, and I don't beat my dog. He don't drink. He don't smoke. He don't say main words that has nothing to do with your faith christianity is about having self-control and self-discipline and it does come down to a balance and even to the point where at times to be able to fast you know to fast food not just tv or netflix but The point isn't to look at the flesh all the time and the abstinence. The people who are obsessed with um, controlling their physical life usually they're actually um, not able as easily to engage with the kingdom because then they show up in the kingdom and there's feasting and there's pleasure and there's there's good things. There's physical things in the kingdom in this sense. The spirit is not just a wispy, light, 
emanating realm, God uses those physical things that you know. Uh, I'll give you an example. Recently, he was showing me a restaurant and working in a restaurant because I know a lot of the ins and outs that cause a restaurant to function. And he he wasn't even trying to show me like, oh, Michael, you've got to see how the spirit works in the restaurant in the, in the heavens. He was just like, no, just just picture picture your last part time job of working at a restaurant. And that's kind of how this operates. You know, picture a school where you have like a big camp and the, the students are there learning. Picture that and then picture a school in heaven. And just add a lot of good things and detract all the bad things. So just forget all the the stresses of grading homework and all the evil of greed and just lazy students who don't want to pay attention. And just put in, pile in a lot of goodness. A restaurant with no filth. Imagine that. No problems. Just love and, and that happy service. And so in a sense, when you go to heaven... God might use a lot of the physical things in your life so that you can actually operate there and get things done. Not just be like, oh, I'm soaking in the river of life forever. He wants you to get stuff done. We ascend, but then we also descend back into the battle and provide help to those who are in need. Anyway, Romans 8, there is now no no convert. Uh, wait, let me read this again. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh." that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because Jesus said, you're not going to go to heaven unless your righteousness is sur- surpassing the, the Pharisees. And there is a conflict with the spirit and the flesh. And uh, gosh, a lot of information here. Skipping to verse 12. Actually, verse 11. Actually, verse 10. Actually, verse 9. <laughs> Let's just read the whole thing. This is so good. This is this is the blind dog in the meat factory. Just like, don't matter where he turn, he's just going to chomp. He's going to be happy. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So there's something to be said about your spirit here, guys. I mean, major.
but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So the, the power of his resurrection is also for us like a day-to-day rising up out of our distresses, our problems, our sicknesses, whatever. You know, you go through something terrible in one country and you're like, this is it. This is the mother of all battles. And then and suddenly the resurrection power just flows through you. I remember the last night in Taiwan, I went for a jog and I listened to Metal Gear the soundtrack of, and I should find the track, I have it somewhere, but it's um, the, the soundtrack of the, the Sons of the Patriots and Mother Base and these these mercenaries that are freedom fighters, warriors without borders, infiltrating enemy territory and literally using their weapons against them, taking it over with expert tactics, ultra super soldiers, secret space, you know, spiritual soldier tactics and and yet it's very physical it's a it's a video game set in the 80s metal gear 5 but this soundtrack somebody put together with the the background of the enemy i think it was in japanese but i can i can understand japanese enough and it's it's literally the soundtrack of the of the game which is really powerful and and majestic and whoa we're penetrating the enemy's base but then at the same time you hear the, the the voices of the enemy and their intercoms, which you've intercepted, and they're all terrified, and they're calling each other, and they're asking for backup, and they're finding out, oh, there's no more backup. We're exhausted. And they think they're surrounded, but they're only being infiltrated by one guy. Except you've sabotaged their, you know, some kind of mortar thing and you're launching bombs here and there and they think they're getting attacked by an army and it was only one guy the whole time and with the music and the the power and the effectiveness and you hear the terror of the enemy very much a a, a picture of the spirit of Joshua and the Israelites invading the promised land in the book of Joshua you know the terror of the Lord because of what God has done in Egypt and elsewhere you know, the terror of the Lord is upon us, says Rahab, the harlot. Another story. Um, we're seeing that. We are seeing that power of God. And so there I was in Taiwan after a huge, long battle. One of many battles. Fighting in China, fighting in Japan, going to Nepal, going to India. But but long-term battles. Miami, Texas, California, South Carolina, smaller skirmishes, but long term, you know, I go for the long stretch. I spend years in a country, years learning the language, getting involved there, you know, sometimes not being very spiritual, but at the, nevertheless, wanting God's kingdom to come and praying. Usually starting with that prayer of like, Lord, forgive me. I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm a loser in my flesh or whatever. But God uses you if you will just continue with God. If you're not living um, a life that is like, well, I've done enough for you, God. I'm going to live for me now. That's never good. Live for him. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the the battle for me only began at the end of the last battle. We're just getting warmed up. 
you know, going to Honolulu next, Waikiki, that was another new battle. Every day was was a was pushing through the enemy's um, the enemy's territory, and then moving on forward to Pali, to uh, just down the road from the big the place where the the soldiers were pushed off the cliff. So many ghosts there! Oh my gosh! And now we're moving on to the next battlefield here in Big Island, Hawaii, and taking ground and dealing with the volcano. And it's like battle after battle after battle. And you guys have been along for this, even though I, I can't tell you the details of my physical battle, my physical life. But but just sharing this with you, we are literally taking ground. We're literally going forward. We're literally fighting through so much darkness and winning and winning and winning because God is with us. And it has nothing to do with Trump. It's... Uh, yeah, it's it's a miracle. All right, I shall be right back. Hallelujah. We have much more stuff to do. You know, the enemy is afraid of this broadcast because he bans my words in many, many places. He don't like me. That's okay. I don't like him either. So uh, this is a cheesy song, I know, but it's called When the Lights Go Out. And it's kind of a... Ahead of its time, end of the world song, and you'll if you listen, you'll you'll get the gist of uh, of what it means. We'll be right back.
stand up. You know, these songs are, some of them are a little bit, uh, well, let's just call them what they are. They're a little bit cheesy. But I'm I'm smart enough to, to know I was blessed with a background with um with the genes coming through the, the Christian circles. I'm not David Berg, you know, thank God. But I was raised in a similar way. Like I, I was raised in a flurry of different church movements and having come through all these different, you know, churches and seeing the doctrine and the big picture and, and what needs to happen. So this is like in 2001 to 2004, but it was different than it was for, for them back in the sixties. It was, uh, wasn't the hippie era, but seeing the way that things were going with the, the terror thing, you know, the, um, they were starting to introduce, uh, the false war on terror, Everybody my age was being shuttled off to war for these fake wars. I mean, the fakest wars ever. At least the Vietnam War, you kind of knew it was fake. But these wars, the media had performed the biggest false flag event ever. Bigger than anything ever until now, until COVID. Um, and the data was there and the training was there. And, and the Holy Spirit provided me the opportunity to really do research. I'm not Alex Jones either, but it was similar. Like, okay, well, I know this and this and this about the church. And I know this and this and this is not true. And this is not true. And this is, and it was really the family that introduced me to Alex Jones later. And it was like, wow, this guy's really out of control as far as his PR goes. Um, his percent presentation, but just wild hillbilly putting the, the truth out there as fast as he can kind of paid off. But what we're doing here with, with the Spirit War is really, um, we're not reading like James Corbett or some of these other great shows. We're not reading the white papers of the Illuminati all the time. We're not reading the occult literature all the time. And in a sense, I was listening to a book on tape. Um, what is it? The Siege of Terra series, Horus Rising. I forget what the, the title of the specific episode, but there was a quote in there about the occult entities that the the darkness was using. And it was like, even to voice their existence gives them power because it is required that people believe in them for them to manifest. It was so interesting. And I thought that in a sense, even though we do need to know our enemy, uh, we do need to expose who controls the world and, and to fight the false narratives. To only dwell in those areas gives them power also. And that's where these papers that I was introduced to in the Mo letters and other Christian writings from other churches and everything was so enlightening to be like, this this data lines up. It might not come true today or tomorrow, but someday songs like When the Lights Go Out the only law that we're going to have is what's written in our hearts. So what are you putting into yourself? If you, if the only law that you have today is rule by the gun, when the government is gone, are you ready to be the ruler? Do you have a connection to the Holy Spirit to be a good governor for your little village or whoever ends up in your little bunker with the food that you've stored up? 
Are you mentally prepared to go through that kind of trauma? Because I don't think you are. I think that the only way we're really going to make it through something like that is not just by having guns and ammo and storable food, which are all a part of it. But the main part of it is being discerning, knowing the Lord, having a connection to God, not being easily offended. Love is not easily offended. You know, you're not taking offense right away from anybody like, oh, so-and-so in my bunker ate twice their ration amount. It's because you're overweight. You're used to eating too much food. I'm going to shoot you. I mean, this is the situation that's coming soon to a bunker near you. So we've got to learn how to be love, like God's love, like even love your enemy and be ready to die, not for your life, not even just for your family, but for the gospel. And when they take you and persecute you for my name's sake, don't worry about what you're going to say. God will show you what you're going to say. We're going into these days. But we need to know what the word says. And uh, let me read another paragraph here. Uh, Daily Might. Really good stuff. And this is kind of funny because um, it has to do with brainwashing. And taking back that term brainwashing, I was talking to a survivor from the Illuminati the other day, and it was like, oh, no, we're reading the Bible, but we're talking about programming and handlers. And it was like, well, but in the kingdom, to be handled by the Holy Spirit, to be programmed to program your own mind by the Spirit is a lot different than having somebody come in and try to usurp your own free will. This is all free will. This is you empowering yourself and not being controlled by somebody in the Illuminati. Think about it. Brainwashing. <laughs> brainwashing is our business. Not only brainwashing, but heart washing too. This is funny. This is funny. You cannot change the world of man without changing his mind. And you cannot change his mind Unless you can change his heart. And you cannot change his heart without the inspiration of God's Spirit. We can only save the world by letting God destroy the evil in our own hearts. God's kingdom of heaven comes only through spiritual change. In fact, total spiritual rebirth a new man, a new heart. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. So in essence, it's like no matter what self-help you got, it's not going to take care of the evil in your heart. The heart is desperately wicked. Jesus knew what was in the man, what was in the hearts of men, and he didn't commit to them. He knew what was in men. Jesus committed himself to the Father. We have to have that same kind of vehement, stalwart, focused only on God's kingdom kind of mindset and know that God's kingdom is only going to save the world through us if he's also been able to destroy our own evil in that moment. It's almost like we're all like really bad all the time anyway. But, you know, don't worry about beating yourself upside the head with it. It's just 
It's going to be an act of the Holy Spirit. God is going to deal with us, all of us. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Jesus takes us dirty as we are with sin, and he washes away our sins with his blood and washes our minds from the evil mental conditioning of this world by the pure waters of God's word. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all our sins. What a wonderful promise for all these poor people, dirtied and contaminated and infected and shamed and controlled by the system. Oh, but the vaccine can't be that bad. I mean, I have cancer now, but oh, it couldn't be that bad. Oh, I, 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 I make my kid wear a mask so he can go to school. Well, he has to wear a mask to go to school all day, but I mean, it's still, I mean, just, you know. You're abusing your kid, making them go to a school where they have to wear a mask the whole day. Take it like this. You're thinking, there's no way I'm going to pay the bills. There's no way I'm going to survive. Well, welcome to the future. (laughs) You know, if we all took our kids out of school for forcing them to wear a mask, which is child abuse, and let alone the vaccine, which is like even mega times worse, they wouldn't be able to function. There would be no school. You understand? Like the school would shut down. And so we've all got to resist this thing and not just on social media, not just on little platforms where Facebook is banning you, but you you feel like you're reaching people because, oh, 15 people liked my post. 15 people on the internet? Isn't the internet supposed to be a place where you can reach like millions of people? Even if, Even if most of your posts only reached 15 people, but why have you never had a single post reach a million people? You know, I've uploaded things back in the old days where I reached millions and millions of people with just some random video I made when I was a kid because the internet wasn't controlled by artificial intelligence yet. Now, with algorithms, they control who can see and who can't see. So we're we're under attack, guys. We're under major spiritual attack. They don't want us to be able to communicate. The internet that you use whenever you tap into Facebook or those things is fake. My own websites are banned. Spirit Wars Media was totally banned. Uh, I'm expecting our new website, elleneth.com, to be banned too. But whatever. I don't care. We're, we're, this is not about being famous anyway. It's about being faithful to God, reaching that one soul. I'm all about that one soul. And I appreciate those of you who are like those, that one soul. (laughs) So anyway, praise God. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hallelujah.